You're listening to Coming of Cage, a Nicolas Cage podcast. Hello, welcome back to the Coming of Cage podcast. I am one of your hosts, Derek, and I have got my co-host and buddy Ryan with me. Hello. Hello. And we are here to talk to you about the 2013 Nicolas Cage film, The Crudes. Is it fair to call it a Nicolas Cage film? I mean, he's in it. He's the lead. I guess. He's, but it's he's not about top... him. He's, he's not the main billing. character. He is not the main character. He's the top billing. It co-stars Ryan Reynolds and Emma Stone, primarily. Um, Emma Stone, I would argue she's the lead of this movie, but we can get into that. The Crudes, quote, after their cave is destroyed, a caveman family must trek through an unfamiliar, fantastical world with the help of an inventive boy. Yeah, that about covers it. As that, that is the movie. Uh, yeah. So what we do here on the show is we watch Nicolas Cage films. Any any movie that Nicolas Cage is in for any amount of time, we will discuss on this show. And this happened to be what came up for this episode. So Ryan painstakingly writes notes as he watches the movie. And then we go through those notes and talk about that movie. That's right. And this movie was... So, so, so boring that I struggled to come up with anything interesting to write notes about. So it's mostly just things that are happening in the movie, whether they're interesting or not. I just was like, well, I don't have a note about this part yet. So I guess I'll write this down. Okay. okay. So, yeah, you, you'll have that to look forward to. Uh, so my first note is animation within animation, because this is an animated movie, uh-huh. if you didn't know. But the intro to the movie, and I'll also say this, I don't remember, I watched this movie like three days ago and I've already forgotten basically everything about it. So <sighs> I'm just going to be trying to wing it with these notes and hope I remember some oh, of the stuff. That's how that's how forgettable this movie was. Okay. Um, but yeah, animation within animation. So they have like a flashback scene. It's like, or ex- like an exposition scene where it's like all animated at the beginning, but it's a different style of animation than the actual animation for the movie. Right. It's more like a hand-drawn versus a CG. Right. And, yeah. and it's it's a weird... I don't know. I always think that's weird. You don't like when movies do that? It takes you out yeah, of I it? I think it depends on the depends on the movie. But this one, I didn't really... It was fine, I guess. That's it, basically my entire feeling about the whole movie. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. So for those who don't know, it just kind of paints the background picture of what these caveman people are like. It's weird that we keep calling them cavemen when... They're like it's not just men. There's also several women characters or, or female characters. Cave people. Cave people. I don't know. I'm not because like she's a caveman. Emma, Emma Stone plays a caveman girl. That sounds weird to say. Cave girl. Just cave girl, right? I guess. I don't know. But yeah, yeah, it has that the hand drawn intro before we see the the gorgeous CGI faces that we will gorgeous, see for the next yeah. hour and a half. So we get our first introduction introduction to Nick Cage's character named Grug. Grug. After the hand-drawn intro. Um, and basically 90% of this movie for him is just screaming, yelling, or grunting. 
which you could make an argument that that's a lot of what most of his movies are. <laughs> but the difference is that uh, in this movie, you can like you can't see his face. And so I think that that takes away a lot of the enjoyment I would normally get from his screaming and grunting. Well, this character, Grug, was specifically designed for Nicolas Cage because apparently Nicolas Cage was offered the role of Shrek and he turned it down because he didn't like the character design. So this time DreamWorks was like, we're going to get Nick. We're getting him. So we're going to design this character so that he's happy with it. Okay, so this is a note a little later on for me, but we might as well just get into it now. Early on in the movie, uh, like when we first start hearing Nick Cage's voice come from this character, I could not, I I couldn't cross that threshold. This was not believable as Nick Cage's voice coming out of this character for me. To be fair, I actually felt that way about, about all the characters i didn't have that problem with you i th- I may think okay so we as derek explained review nick cage movies on this podcast that's basically everything we do talk about nick cage movies how much we love him and his acting range but i think one of the big mistakes of this movie is that they didn't really you know they do something with sometimes with animated movies where they use like motion capture on the actor's face to try and capture some of the you know, uh, expressions. They do it in video games too to capture the expressions of the actor. And it didn't seem like they did that in this movie at all. And I think that they, that, that made his character stand out the most to me as Mm. not believable at all in this role, because, you know, he's, you hear his voice and you expect certain things because he's so expressive and you just didn't get any of that. The character's just like stone faced almost the whole time. And, you know, I think they lost a lot with that. I think that's fair. I, I do think it extends to some of the other characters as well. I think it's just a problem across the board because, like, you know, Eep is the daughter, the Grug's daughter, Eep. She's the main character voiced by Emma Stone, right? And she meets and kind of has a crush on Guy, played by Ryan Reynolds. So Ryan Reynolds has now played two different characters just named Guy which is weird. That's a weird niche to be in. But I just never felt like the voices matched these characters at all. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it's maybe has to do with preconceived notions about what a person that looks like this would sound like. You know, you expect like the big, you know, kind of lumbering characters to have like a deep, you know, not menacing necessarily, but a deep like baritone kind of voice. And none of them really have that, especially not Nick Cage. Yeah, Cloris Leachman, so she voices the grandmother, and I thought she was fine. She fit for me. Like, voice-wise, that worked. I didn't really have a problem with that. But even, like, Catherine Keener, who's the... She plays the wife, like, that... It just felt off. Everything just felt like they cast the... Like, they were cast in in a different movie. Like, they changed all the characters afterwards or something. I don't know. It just was weird. There was a disconnect the entire time. Yeah. I mean, I didn't have that issue with anybody except Nick Cage. So, um, you know, unfortunately, I can't agree with you wholly on that. But uh, so my next note is lots of slapstick. I could tell immediately that this movie. Okay, so I'm not really I don't have kids. Right. I'm a happily kid free person. Derek, however, has a wonderful daughter. And so he he watched this, I'm assuming, with his daughter attempted to. And I watched this with my girlfriend whom i love very much but it's not a child thank god um 
<laughs> that went in a weird direction, but that's not how I intended it. Anyway, uh, you know, this movie it was intended for kids, not intended for me. I am not the I am not the uh, target audience for this. Derek's daughter is, so maybe he'll be able to give some insight with how his daughter felt about this movie. But um, basically, it was just like a bunch of cavemen like getting hurt and like slapping each other and getting smashed by rocks and things like that. That was basically all the humor of this movie was supposed to be that. Yeah, it it feels like I think this is the best kind of thing. It feels like a Will Ferrell comedy, but as a cartoon. Just lots it kind of, of like, feels like Looney Tunes, but like not enjoyable. Uh, yeah, it's not like I, I think Looney Tunes is, is a little more witty. Clever. Yeah, they're, they're you know, a little bit sharper. There's a there's a wittiness to Looney Tunes that's not here. This is like a, this was a lot of like. For example, I know we're kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but the, to talk on that specifically, there's a scene where there's these sharp rocks that there's you know that they don't want to walk on, right? And Grug steps on one before he knows what it is, and it hurts, and he tells everybody that it hurts, and immediately like everybody goes to walk on these rocks, and everybody gets hurt, and it's just like kind of it's just dumb, like because these characters are being portrayed as unintelligent, but also like kind of normal at the same time, and so depending on what they think is funny is the level of intelligence a character will have in that moment. Right. Right. Or, well, or and, even and, like a, and a good a good example of this is what I what I was about to go to next is the egg football scene. You know, yeah. you you get basically they 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 close up their cave at night because mm-hmm. of the animals that come out at night that'll eat them apparently and that's how they survived. And uh they go out during the day and they, apparently to get food they have to play egg football. And like go steal an egg from a bird um, and get it back to their cave. And it's a big slapstick fest of just, you know, people throwing the egg and catching the egg and running into things and the egg flying in the air and not breaking. And And the payoff is you get to watch them like drink, drink some egg yolk out of the egg. And it's yeah. And they, I mean, they kind of have a redo of that scene later on in the movie, too. And I just it's hard to believe that they would have been able this family would have been able to survive if those are their hunting skills right right that's true i mean guy kind of makes a uh, comment on that later in the movie he's like no really like what are they doing because he's like oh they're hunting no 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 really what are they doing because it is like it's it's beyond cartoonish and i know that's maybe seems redundant to say for an animated film but it just was so over the top and like, there's a few moments that I chuckled. I'm not going to pretend that I never chuckled in the movie, but it's not, it's mostly just too far. And so my daughter, she's a little more than two and a half and she, her favorite movies are Moana, Coco, Encanto, and The Nightmare Before Christmas. She will sit and she will watch all four of those. No problem. She did not get through this movie. Um, we got like an hour in and I had had to have stopped it like three or four times to get to that hour point before I was like, all right, I got to finish this on my own <laughs> another time. Cause this just isn't working. Like she could not have been like less engaged. Yeah. Um, Cause there's just not, I just don't think there's enough interesting stuff happening. And early on in the movie, it's also just very drab, right? They're in this kind of wasteland. It's all rocks and slate and sand. And it's just not that interesting to look at. Um, and a bunch of scenes inside a cave at night are just not that visually interesting to a child, which again, to Ryan, your point, that's the target 
audience. So I don't know. Maybe yeah. this is more for like eight year olds or something like that. Maybe it is PG. It's not G. I don't know with how like boy crazy the girl lead was. I feel like maybe, you know, I I don't know who it was targeted to because I feel like there's no like you're, you're not really interested in the opposite gender until like or the same gender or whatever. You're not romantically interested in anybody until usually like your teens or like preteens. So, yeah, it's hard to know, right? Like, who is this for? You know, you've got Nicolas Cage kind of being very front and center, especially as the movie goes on. You know, he's got some pretty big parts at the end where it's really like just him. But again, it's this is clearly a kid's movie, but it's too dumb for teenagers. But then, yeah, there's the romance that's really not for like the six to eight year olds. I'm not really sure yeah, who this is for. But like this movie was successful. Um, it was financially successful. It got a video game. It did get a sequel la- a couple of years ago. There's even a, a, a series, a streaming series that came after the sequel. So like people like it. We're just weird, I guess. I guess. So my next note is, uh, is the, is it, so the end of this egg football thing, we're kind of bouncing all over the place, but, but at the end of this egg football thing, I think it's the sun thunk. That has the egg and uh, the mom yells, hit the brakes. And I just went, how do cavemen know what brakes are? <laughs> well, that's that's kind of my point, right? Like sometimes they talk totally like we do. And then other times they're cave people. Yeah, it was a weird, weird thing. And maybe I'm thinking too much about it. It's just that's like the one the one glaring moment that stood out to me. There's probably others where they're referencing something that doesn't exist yet. So anyway i i think there's a there's a lot of that back and forth of like writing these like regular people and writing them like you know caricatures of cave people right right and it just kind of is one or the other in any given scene and it's a big kind of whiplash as you go throughout the movie because these are very opposites of each other it's the same characters who you know are all of a sudden very polite and professional sounding right and then all of a sudden are just morons yeah i don't really know it's yeah it's a weird thing but that's again maybe i I, this is a movie made for kids i think so you know i'm probably reading too much into it but yeah this is where i where i realized that how bad of a tough a sell that the nick cage character was for me because that was my next note it's just like i i thought maybe as the movie went on maybe i would be able to deal with it but supposedly a lot of thought went into this um they had said that specifically his the 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 body language and character concepts of grug were specifically based on nick cage's performances in the family man and leaving las vegas so we've seen both of those movies and reviewed them on this podcast do you agree that that's what no yeah i got nothing from that there was i would not have guessed that at all i mean the caginess in those movies is not a crazy they're not like super cagey i guess leaving las vegas has some moments they both have some moments but really for the most part he's pretty normal in those movies yeah in general obviously there's a few standout moments but yes so if they're basing it off of that then they're basically just basing it off of normal people because nick cage isn't that crazy for most of those movies well and most of this movie he's really just one of two things He, he he's either annoyed and sarcastic 
or he's like doing the crazy cave person blah 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 blah, blah crazy face thing yeah noises and, right yeah like that's all that he's doing it's one or the other it's that it, those extremes there's the scene where you know he brings out the shell and they all just destroy this seashell as if it's like you know a weapon of mass destruction and then later they're being shot across the canyon on a you know on fire corn cob and they're like oh hey guy where are the crudes like everything's fine yeah it's just this whiplash back and forth of the extremes that makes it really difficult to sink into yeah so that so after the uh we're basically at this point you're the the story is that the girl eep is feeling caved up basically like locked in this cave yeah she's like you know in this cave all the time and she wants to leave and she wants to explore right there's been a lot of stories like this before it's not a not an original idea um but you know one night after this egg thing she sees some fire she wakes up in the middle of the night and sees like lights she doesn't know what fire is obviously because she's a cave person but uh you know she sees some lights outside coming through the cracks in the rock that block her from getting out and so she moves the rock which I didn't get because the whole point of that rock was that it was big enough that Grug could move it, but that no one else was really because his whole thing was being strong. Right. So he was the one that closed with the rock, but then mm-hmm. she was able to move the rock. So whatever. But then she she goes and chases down this source of light. Mm-hmm. And it ends up being Ryan Reynolds' character guy who has fire, and she's amazed by this. Um and instantly in love with him which is bothersome or at least for me distractingly bothersome throughout the movie how like much she wanted to touch him and like be be all over him all the time did you get those vibes at all it was like just constant well i also like part of that what played into the awkwardness is i don't know how old these characters are supposed to be like are they are guy and eve teenagers are they young adults are they like 12 i don't really have like any sense of how well, they have the voice are. of adults and they have the, you know they do but so yeah. does thunk and thunk says that he's nine at one That's point true. in the movie he's voiced by an adult so like, i don't know how old they're supposed to be um which makes and it, that makes it a little more awkward too yeah yeah and you have you know eep is being portrayed as this you know intelligent capable strong person who feels you know trapped you know by her dad's kind of overbearing protective mentalities and the but first the, time she sees another boy she's instantly in love with him yeah or sees a boy she's instantly in love. another boy other than her brother or dad well and it certainly comes off like they don't see other cave people yeah ever and yeah and there's some confusing stuff in here too where like guy calls them cavies like he's not a cave person he's a different type of you know well, i think he's supposed to be like the next you know how man how is they he say a homo sapien is that the and they're yeah i think he's the, yeah he's like one step in the evolution cycle beyond them that's why he has fire i i guess so like but so he yeah okay so he, or it's because they live in a cave right could also be that it could be that but but then that would that would mean that like every that he's run into other people that just live in caves before and that's like a common occurrence 
because he has a term for him. Right, he has a term for him, which means he's come across them. But it, it certainly comes off like Eep and the, and the and her family never come across other people, which of course then begs the question of like, how do any of them get together? Because they made some comment about how Grand had was like traded to uh, who the person who ends up being her husband by her well, dad they or say- whatever. In that animated thing, they they do say there are other families around, but that they got slowly killed off because they didn't uh, follow the rules or they went missing. They didn't say killed off because it's a kid's movie, but that's why her dad, that's why they've survived because her dad follows the rules. So they're the last of the Neanderthals. I guess that's that's what they're implying. Yeah. Okay. Um, So then we meet my, we also meet in this scene, my favorite character. The only character that I liked in this movie. The sloth. The pink slot. <laughs> I knew. It. And now that you've said that this is this movie was successful and that there's been a sequel and some other stuff, I feel like that that sloth is a hundred percent a bigger character in the sequel. There's there's no way that that would be the only character that I can see kids liking. I mean, I think that that's a fair. It's assumption. like Baby Yoda, right? Like yeah. you know, when Mandalorian came out, they couldn't get toys of it out fast enough. I mean, the only thing I knew about this movie going into it was the sloth dun 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 from like the commercials. I oh, remember okay. that. That's the only thing I knew about this movie. I didn't remember that. It, I didn't know that I remembered it until I was watching it. And then that scene happened. And I was like, like brought back, you know, 11 or 10 years ago uh, yeah. to those commercials. So, oh, I guess yeah. this is the 10th anniversary of the Croods. Hey, there we go. I'm sure we're going to get a lot more views on this video because of that. Oh, yeah. Let's play it um, So basically, uh, Guy tells Eep that the world is ending or or something along those lines. Something, yeah, something world... catastrophic is happening. He says the world that... is ending. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know if he used those words. But he basically that the earth starts shaking and then like it opens up and everybody dies or something like that. I think it's implying that the, the earthquakes... And magma is killing everybody. Right. Um, and so then, of course, that night, there's an earthquake. Or wait, is it the next night? Or like within a day? No, it's it's that night because she says that she can't leave her family. So he gives her the shell and says, you know, call if you need. He leaves. She comes back. Well, she's on her. She's about to come back when her dad finds her because right. he realizes that she's missing. Right. And by the time they get back, it's morning. So the sun is up at that point. And then it happens and they all have to leave the cave. And they go into this land that is not real. Not even close. Yeah. Um, It's a little weird. I wasn't sure what they were like. I know there were some weird animals back in, you know, prehistoric times or like, I guess I don't think Neanderthal times is like prehistoric, but, you know, I, maybe it is. I don't know where that line is, but uh, you know where the times there were the, mammoths. We had mammoths at that time. Well, there were giant sloths giant that sloths. existed. There was like there's a lot of weird animals, uh, but I don't think there were uh, rainbow saber tooth tigers. Maybe there were. I don't. You didn't don't have one of those so. as a kid, or like land whales that had legs. <laughs> ah, yes, that was the in the original version of Moby Dick, but they didn't think it was as like you know accessible, believable. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's literally a whale. Like they're so they they climb up their mountain or whatever that their cave is in and they go through some journey and end up in the land 
the land that time forgot essentially and it's just like a bunch of it's like the dark crystal you know you have all these random creatures mm-hmm. that don't really exist that just like flopping around in the background and but you know my, my problem is it's like you know, the, the land that time forgot or land of the lost or any of those you know types of movies there's like you know some giant sinkhole and you fall deep into the you know the hollow earth and all that type of stuff this doesn't have that they're literally on the other side of a wall like there was a mountain wall that yeah collapsed. that's all that that's all that uh separated them basically right like it's like the rocky mountains if california like they go like california is where all these animals are essentially right um which then like i got so confused what what was supposed to be happening was this continental like tectonic shifting or like was this the breaking up of pangea i don't understand but then they end up in a place that doesn't exist so i feel like that's the wrong place to be since it's not if the, if the idea is supposed to be that it's not around anymore and that's, you know, then like they're clearly in the wrong spot because none of that survives. Right. Yeah. It's just a, a weird thing. And I mean, they get attacked by a big group of carnivorous birds. Yeah. Um, which isn't, it's not really, you know, that weird, but I mean, I, there were, there are carnivorous birds obviously that exist now. Sure. And, and in prehistoric times, there was the, the terror bird, which I'm thinking these were supposed to be, but those things were like 10 feet tall. They were huge. And yeah. these are not huge. It's like, they, they are like uh football size. They look like, and they they travel in packs, like huge swarms of mm-hmm. birds. Um, so, I mean, they just, they took inspiration from things that existed, I think, and then just made it fit their movie to be more yeah, kid friendly. I think they just had fun with it, which is fine. Like of all the things in this movie that that isn't good, I don't really care that they just made up a bunch of creatures. Yeah, it's fine, I guess. I mean, I'm not yeah. mad about it. It's no, just, yeah. you know, I would have loved to if, if the rest of the movie was super cartoony, but then they had super realistic 10-foot right. terror birds <laughs> that literally just scraped the flesh from their bones. Like, I don't think that would have gotten the PG rating they were hoping for. No, but that would have really made the movie better for me. They should really take my feelings into account next time. Clearly. You heard it here, uh, and then, works. Give Ryan a call. I don't really know what this note means. Uh, only you can prevent forest fires. Was there a forest fire? Yeah. So there's. Oh, so okay. When okay, so guy saves the day from the terror birds uh, with fire again because that that seems to be his big uh, ace in the hole. And the crews end up with the fire, and they don't understand fire, obviously, and so they start kind of like messing with it, and you know thunk gets like caught on fire he's like oh it likes me it's biting me it's biting me and he's running around and then grug makes the line of go try and hide from it in the tall dry grass like he says right and you're like oh god and then you know the grass obviously bursts into flames and it ends up on grand's staff and she's like basically reenacting the rafiki scene from lion king but she's like making fire show up everywhere every time she hits something it becomes this huge mess like that's the that's the thing right it goes way too far on the incompetent side of things and i'm like but you've all survived you're the last surviving neanderthals you can't be that incompetent you might not be as smart as guy but you're not that dumb either that's pretty dumb yeah 
you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, at this point, they decide to kidnap Guy. He tries to leave, and they're like, oh, we're just going to kidnap you and force you to travel with us against your will while my daughter hits on you relentlessly while you're stuck in a log. Um, so, yeah, my next note was casual kidnapping because they literally just kidnap him. And he's fine with it. He takes it really well. He does, yeah. And he doesn't even mind the like relentless harassment from Eep. He must like really like her. I mean, I don't know, man. It didn't seem like he was nearly as into her as she was into him. But like, why does he stick around? He's stuck in a log. He's being forced to stick around. No, but like he gets out. Like, remember, like the, there's the hunting scene where she lets him out because he's going to teach her to hunt or whatever. He could have easily gotten away at that point when they're in the sharp rocks. He could have easy, easily gotten away then. Like he keeps like helping them. And I guess the idea is supposed to be like, Oh, he's, he's nice. He's this yeah. caring, nice guy. That's exactly what it is. But it's just it, like, he almost dies several times because of how incompetent the crudes are. Right. Like, so, okay. There's the, the, the scene where they're sleeping and Grug's got the log. He's basically spooning the log that guy is stuck in. And then the next morning, obviously there's been another like earthquake and a huge chunk of ground is gone now. And guys like hanging over the edge. I'm sorry, but you're telling me that this family that has like the biggest scaredy cats in the world and freak out over, you know, a seashell aren't going to notice at all when like the ground disappears. Right. Yeah. It's a little weird. Like I need something. I need some sense of like reality to ground myself to right like a movie can only have so many conceits right at some point i need to feel some way connected to this universe and say what can and cannot happen but this movie is just like well just whatever in the scene is funny is what happens yeah that's yeah and that, that that's really hard for me my next note is sloth gonna shank grandma because <laughs> i think the I sloth that, that one night has, yeah. a, has like a knife and he's like pointed at grandma and that was pretty funny and guys like he will cut you <laughs> and i was like okay, yeah that was funny <laughs> that did make me laugh too like i said the sloth was the only thing that made me laugh in this movie yeah. um and then caveman bird puppet this is my next note uh-huh talk yeah. about looney tunes that that felt like Very a rip-off much, of some yeah. looney tunes thing Big time. Yeah. Yeah, why don't you tell us what happens in that scene, Derek, because I don't remember. <laughs> okay. So they're hungry. They're starving, right? And all their, they, they find a bird. And it's basically the same kind of bird from earlier in the movie. Lucky for them. And they're going to try and steal the egg. And so Grug and Thunk are going to hunt because Eep is grounded. Because apparently Neanderthals had the concept of grounding their children. Um, which means you're not allowed to hunt. We need hunting to survive, but you're grounded and you're clearly the best hunter in the family. But because you're grounded, we're all going to starve to death. Yeah, um, it seems <laughs> like that would be a chore, not like a. Well, it's because she, she wants to do it, is, is oh. the thing. Like she excels at it. And so he's grounding her from it, but they'll also die if they don't eat. So it seems But the rest of them are incompetent. So yeah. they're all terrible. They're so bad. And so, yeah, so they're hunting and it's, it, it's not going well. And so, Guy. Is trying to escape, obviously, and he convinces Eep to let him out of the log, and he'll he'll let her help him hunt because somehow she can't just go and do it herself. When clearly she is like cheetah speed and incredibly strong, she still needs some guy, some 
person's dis, uh, uh, you know approval to let permission to go do this. Anyway, his big idea, guy's big idea is to create basically like a marionette puppet of a bird that this other bird will want to mate with. I yeah. guess. So, you know, as as you know, look, we we've made props, we're cosplayers, things like that. Uh it takes a little bit of time and equipment to to pull off a task like that, but he does it in what appears to be five minutes. And you know they're gonna they they have got some like slingshot rope thing set up very Looney Tunes very very wily coyote this whole this whole bit here is very wily coyote, um, and of course it doesn't work, and um, everybody gets involved when they find out and they're all running around and then just by sheer dumb luck the bird steps in the trap and they get to have their roast bird. Yeah. But this comes okay. back later in the movie. There's a lot of these things where like a thing happens and then that thing just happens again 45 minutes later. So just so you know, I'm looking through my next bit of notes and I don't remember like any of this. I feel like I fell asleep <laughs> and I was just unconsciously writing, writing notes. <laughs> yeah. So you might you might be having to explain a lot of this. Uh, I'm sorry about that. I apparently found this movie incredibly boring. Um, I mean, it's not it's not interesting. So my next note is something we've already discussed. I find her boy obsession a bit creepy because at certain times it felt like if it was a reverse role and the guy was doing this to the girl, then it would be like very uncomfortable. And it was uncomfortable this way, too. Yeah, it's it's uncomfortable throughout because I can't tell if guys into her or not, but he's sticking around. So maybe he is. But like, again, like, I don't know how old any of them are supposed to be, if they're supposed to be the same age at all. Because if you look at the actors, right, you have Emma Stone, who Emma Stone is a year younger than me. And then you've got Ryan Reynolds. And Ryan Reynolds is, I forget how old, he is 11 years older than me. So like, there's a pretty big age gap between those two actors. So I don't know. It's just, it's weird. It's strange. It's awkward. I never really like it, but yeah, it's very much portrayed like the very stereotypical schoolgirl crush mentality, right? The dad's like, "Oh, the water, water's da- that that you know, it's it looks dangerous. I'd be careful." And she's like, "Oh, dad, you're overreacting." The guy's like, "You should be careful." And she's like, "Okay, okay, yeah, you know, exactly." It's like, all right, like it's a little too cliche. And my my next note is more Nick Cage noises. Yeah, he makes a lot of the because like yeah, there's the a monkeys. lot of noises. The, the monkey scene was a little funny the first time. Um, you know, I like. I don't fun. even remember it. They they come across these small monkeys and and Grug thinks he can like intimidate them. So he's like blah 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 the whole thing, and the monkeys just start punching him, and he's getting oh, knocked around like that. a pinball. And Thunk does go, okay, I figured it out, Dad. Stop running your face into their fists. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, All right, yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> And then I have sloth caveman diving board. Yeah, that's at the water scene I was just talking about. Yeah, he basically he puts out Grug's arm and then does a dive off of Grug's oh, okay. arm into the water. And Grug is very like deadpan, almost fourth wall breaking. And now he has a pet. That was my next note. Who does? I don't know. I mean, that comes much, much, much later. Thunk gets a pet. And then at the very tail end, Grug does get a pet. But those are all pretty far apart from each other. So I'm not well, sure. Well, <laughs> that's probably where I fell asleep. I don't know. Um, 
<laughs> and next up I have they've never seen stars. Because apparently they yeah. comment at one point that they've never seen stars, which okay, seems so weird. You must be talking about Thunk's pet then. Yeah, Thunk gets this dog alligator, this dog alligator, um, which is cute. It's a cute scene. I like it, right? You're supposed to, because this is, they all get separated, right? And this is where they're all going to, their metal is going to be tested, right? And Thunk is by himself and he's, he's nine and he's scared. And we're supposed to think it's funny that he's scared, but he is a nine-year-old in a part of the world he does not know with creatures he's never seen before. So it seems kind of mean to be making fun of this nine-year-old, but yeah. that's what the movie's doing. You want to make fun of Grug? That's fine. He's like a 40-year-old. But um, Thunk comes across this dog gator, and you think it's going to you know attack him or whatever, but it turns out it's just like this puppy that wants to play fetch. And it is a cute scene. Yeah, and a lot of the animals in this remind me of like uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender. They were just like they just mashed up two animals. Except I think Avatar's was much more successful. Maybe it was because of the animation style. I don't know. A lot of like a turtle bird. What? What? Why does a turtle or why does a bird need a turtle shell in this in this movie? Like, there's like a doggo gator. And what, what is a dog mating with an alligator? Or like, did they split into two separate species later on? I mean, I don't. <laughs> I like yeah, I don't know. There's it's a, weird. They're uh, what's this? Uh, a chimera. They're all like chimeras, apparently. Um, in like mythological type ways, rather than like grounded in reality ways, which is more like Avatar is a little bit more like, hey, what could it be like? Versus this is much more fantastical. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, they climb to the top of this tree, and he's like, I'm going to show you guys. Guys, are like, I'm going to show you all something. And he shows them stars. These people live in the middle of nowhere. They Where there's no stars. trees blocking yeah. the sky. She I, was literally out two days ago running through the night. And you're telling me she's never seen stars? I guess the idea is supposed to be that they're, they're not supposed to leave the cave at night. Right, so but she literally did just two days before that. They didn't stop and smell the roses, Ryan. I guess. I mean, but if I was outside and I had never seen the stars and then I went outside at night and there's a bunch of blinky lights over my head, I'm going to probably notice that, I feel like. Well, that's what separates you from the Neanderthals. I guess. And, th and then <laughs> belt snake is my next note. Yeah. Somebody it, has a it, belt it, snake. It is very. It is, so, okay. The main crux of this is that Grug is concerned that his family doesn't really need him anymore. That guy is smarter, that he's more brave and adventurous, and they're following him instead of Grug. And it's Grug's job to take care of his family. And I can relate to certain aspects of this, right? Like, I want to protect my family. I want to make sure that they're healthy and they're safe and things like that. And it's hard for me when I can't keep them safe. So I, I do get that part. But he he goes way off the deep end. He's like, all right, fine. I'm going to be just like Guy. And he starts like coming up with, quote, inventions and ideas uh, because that's what Guy has. Guy has ideas from his brain. Uh, that's a whole thing. And so he's like, okay, well, sloth belt, I'm going to make snake belt. And he does like all these other terrible inventions that hurt him every step of the way. And it's basically just a series of like pratfall type slapstick comedy gags of him getting hurt in ways that should probably have killed him over he's and a over caveman, again so he can survive right and like they're all making fun of him but i'm also i'm sitting there being like man this is like sad this is kind of depressing like this guy clearly is going through something and rather than talk to him we're all gonna just make fun of the pain that he's in yeah yeah it was i remember a little of this like you keep saying things and i'm like i kind of remember that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it's it was like 
turtle shell boat is my next note and i don't really remember that either apparently they're in a boat that's a turtle shell at some point yeah they that's a brief it's a brief bit but and but cave yeah. rejection cave i don't rejection? know that's my next note i don't know what that means his family refuses to get in a cave. oh that's right yeah that there, there okay. was a cave there that's probably what it was yeah his family wanted to get into a cave or he wanted to get into a cave his family refused right yeah so that's basically what cave rejection is, I guess. I don't know. I, maybe I thought it was more interesting I mean, than it was. At this point, the movie has shifted from, you know, adventurous, independent girl meets boy to sad middle-aged fathers losing his family. Right. Right. And it, like, Much less fun. It's just like. Maybe that's where the uh, family man <laughs> bits come in. And maybe it is. It's just sad. It is just sad to watch him. Like, And maybe this is where the the leaving Las Vegas stuff comes in. You kind of are watching himself destruct. Yeah. In a very sad, depressing way, but then it's all played up for comedy. And, you know, maybe I'm extra susceptible to that just because of my situation, but like, it was just sad. It was depressing. At least he doesn't, Grug doesn't die having sex with a hooker at the end of this one. No. So at least it was a minute where I thought they were killing him off, though. I was like, wow, okay. That's bold. So, my next note, I do remember this because I was like, whoa, this is dark for, for a kid's movie. Right. Uh, the tar pits. Mm. Grug and uh, Guy get, they, they're like, I think they're like fighting or something, and they end up getting stuck in a tar pit because of their argument. Yeah. And their guy is literally like, no one ever escapes the tar pits. Or what grog? One of them says, yeah, no, it's, it's guy. Basically, we learned that guy's whole family died in a tar pit, which is super morbid. And yeah. then these two are stuck in a tar pit. Like, and they've basically given up. Like, that's got to be a horrible way to die. Yeah, that's why I said tar pit death is morbid. That shit is like really depressing. Right. You're, you're just starving to death until you sink in the tar. And, you know, and in, in, in reality, tar i would think would be hot so maybe it would be also, but probably like, not enough alive. to kill you i don't know i don't i don't know either but it like would, either way it's not pleasant yeah that was dark and then my next note is character development yeah so grog realizes that guy has something to offer but that grog has something to offer right guy has these ideas and he's very smart but grog has this strength and physicality that nobody else has and so if the two of them work together and combine their strength and intelligence, they can save the family. So as this movie went on, I can see how more and more tired I got because I can't even read some of these notes. So when we get to those, I'm just going to say what I think it says. Oh, this is going to be great. It's really good. Yeah. Okay. So next I have throwing his family. Yeah. So they, they make it. Right. So the idea is they're, they're going to this mountain that's split down the middle. It's, it, it looks kind of very like, I don't know, I of Sauron kind of thing, but they get up there and you know they're running and they're running and the ground is breaking all around them and they're like they're not going to make it and they don't make it and they can't see the sun anymore and all this other stuff and they figure out that that you know it's there. So guy is trying to get to tomorrow. So here's the thing: guy is supposed to be like this super smart person, right? But he's also a moron. And yes, like at the end of the day, spoilers: like they all live you know, and get to be in a happier place, but it's by accident. It's by sheer, utter coincidence. But I mean, it's implied that that's how the crews survived this whole time anyway, is because they're terrible <laughs> yeah. hunters. Yeah. You know, they don't do anything right. So the only way they could have possibly survived was by sheer luck. No, that, that's fair. But like, so the thing is, is that when 
get, when, when we find out guy's family was dying in the tar, they told him to just keep moving forward, going towards the sun and you'll get to tomorrow, which really meant like you'll survive another day. You'll get through this loss. He took it literally. And so he's trying to physically get to a land called tomorrow. Um, anyway, Grug figures out that, you know, there's this big gap and he can throw everybody across this gap, but he won't be able to make it, which is also this kind of dark, sad moment where he's chucking his family. So that's supposed to be funny. Yeah. Across this ravine. But every time he does it, you realize he's one step closer to like being alone and in his mind, essentially like committing suicide, essentially, because he to save his family. Yeah, right. So it's very like very, again, sad, depressing part of this movie where like finally a grug realizes who he is, what he has to offer. He comes to terms with that somebody else might be able to offer something he can't. Right. And he understands how he feels about his family and takes responsibility. And then they're like, but you're going to die for it. (laughs) It's just really like you have to sacrifice yourself. What is this movie, man? So my, my next note is split the party. Yeah. And that's exactly what they did. Basically, what you, yeah, which is a D and D reference if you're not familiar. But yeah, he gets to go on this little adventure with the the weird cat. Um, I forget what they called it in the movie, but chunky cat. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Reynolds likes playing guys. So your reference earlier, I I realized partway through the movie, or almost the end of the movie here. Uh, My my favorite guy is still Sam Rockwell from Galaxy Quest. Okay. And so this is where we get to the la- my last two notes, which I must have been like falling asleep at this point. One appears to say caveman newly, N-O-O-L-Y, or and I don't really know what, that, what that's supposed to say. I w- my handwriting got real bad, guys. Here, I mean, I'll show you after this. I, uh, I don't know. Uh, and then my, my very last note, I think, says classic Lagoon on Dig. I don't really know, but here, here I'll show you, Derek. I don't people know at home. I, I, I don't know. really know what those last two mean. I I have no idea, man. Yeah, I couldn't tell you. I don't know what that means. Well, the movie basically ends yeah. because Grug figures out that he has an idea, and he basically builds a blimp, um, using a skeleton, the tar, the chunky cat. And the death birds, the terror birds. And he and he starts saving animals randomly, like it's Noah's Ark or something like that, which he's shown no no real like sense of caring about these things before. He knows the name of Thunk's pet for some reason, uh, inexplicably, because they've never met. Um, and he, you know, he's he reunites with his family and they all end up with various pets that they can ride and hunt with, and they have spears and they live happily ever after until the sequel great well i can't wait for that <laughs> okay be, listen 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 just be happy our listeners that, that nick did not voice in in the in the series okay listeners i want you to know that i really truly do love making this podcast <laughs> but every now and then we get a movie that makes me not want to do another movie and this was one of those movies. Oh, 
man. That made me not want to do this podcast anymore. Now I I'm going to because I love Derek and I love Nick Cage and I love uh doing this. But man, this was a slog. And I'm sorry if my notes weren't as entertaining as normal, uh, or like if I, my recollection was not as good as normal. But it was just I, I something about this movie was a complete turnoff. I was not into it from the very beginning and just yeah, I couldn't have been less interested in this movie. I mean, it rivals Cotton Club for me. I feel like I would rather watch Cotton Club than watch this movie again, which is saying a lot because I was very bored during that movie too. But at least there were entertaining parts in that movie, the tap dancing and some of the other stuff. But this yeah. movie, I won't remember any part of it in a week, probably. I mean, that's that's fair. I don't really disagree. I mean, it's not it's not good. It's it's funny once in a blue moon it's disjointed and extreme on both ends and just it doesn't know what it wants to be it keeps changing what it's trying to say and what it's trying to do and i feel like underneath of it all are some heartfelt messages that just get lost in the sheer dumbness of the humor frankly yeah it, it it was not good. I mean, it, yeah, you, like you said, you could tell that they were trying to push some messages through, but the other messages that actually came through, like, you know, the girl is so boy crazy that it's distracting, you know, the morbid tar pit death and, you know, things like that. That's, that's the stuff that you remember after this movie, not whatever messages it was trying to get across. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, that means it's time for us to rate the movie. So we rate our movies on two scales. We have our quality scale and our caginess scale, our caginess scale. Zero through 20, zero is low, 20 is high. Ryan, from a quality standpoint, where would you rate the crudes? I feel like it's got to be like a four. From a, a four, let's see. That puts it for you below Spirit of Vengeance. Yeah, I'd rather watch Spirit of Vengeance than okay. watch this. What about Dog Eat Dog? You gave Dog Eat Dog a four. I would probably rather watch Dog Eat Dog than this. Okay. So yeah. are you still happy I, with a four? I'm, I'm going to sit it at a four. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Just because, um, it, you know, I'd rather watch another movie than this one doesn't necessarily mean it's a worse movie than those. It just means that. It, that's fair. Yeah. I didn't dislike it that much. Um I I I think I yeah it's still not very good. I'm gonna give it a seven. I think it's still pretty rough, but I think that it has a few fun moments. Whereas some of the movies lower down, I just like hated every minute of them. Yeah, <laughs> um, there's at least a few times I chuckled or felt something in this. Some of these other movies we've watched, I have felt nothing the entire time. So I'm gonna give it a seven. Fair which enough. you know brings us out to a five and a half i believe if my math is to be trusted so then we have caginess uh i guess i'll go first on caginess i mean there's there's a few things here's you know the, the grunting it's and the tough in an noises. animated movie it is it's like i don't want to underscore it i don't want to overscore it um I think I'm going to just, I'm going to basically put it at where I put the family man, which is a 10. Really? I mean, I don't know. It's tough for, like you said, because you don't, 
I think a lot of caginess comes from not just like the voices he makes, but like his face and the way he's moving. And you didn't, you, it's like you're missing two thirds of what a what what is involved in caginess, you know, when we're talking about it. I think there's so, a lot in there. He does a lot of weird faces and silly faces. That's not him. That's an animator. Well, but it's based off of him. And I think they were trying to match his tone. And maybe they did. I mean, I don't know that I don't know that they didn't do facial capture. I don't think they did, but I think it was 10 years ago. So I mean, I was gonna I was thinking like a seven. Okay. So we're way off Not each really. other on this movie. I mean, we're three we're three points off on both. That's the most we've ever been off. You think so? On any movie. Um, I'm sure of it. Okay. Well. Yeah, I we're mean, usually within like one and a half or two points of each other. It is a weird one being like, yeah, you know, one of only two animated movies we've talked about. The other one being into the Spider-Verse, which I mean, he has like five minutes of screen time in that one. And it, that's also arguably like one of the best animated movies ever made. Right? Yeah, for sure. So like it's kind of hard <laughs> to compare these two because it's almost like they're not even they're not even in the same sport. These two movies. Right. So. Yeah. Um, but okay. So a five and a half on quality and eight and a half on caginess. Um, is there anything else that you want to talk about with the crews before we move on? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. I, I, I'm good with being done with the crews forever. Well, uh, until we well, review the next one. Yeah. The new age. Well, okay. So next we got to figure out what movie is going to join our wheelow cage. And that is, uh, well, that can't be right. We already talked about Moonstruck, so I will try that again. I apologize. I thought I removed it from the list, but I must have made a mistake. So, bring out the bringing out the dead. So we Which have is our... supposed to be very good. I've never seen it. Nick Nick Cage plays a paramedic working the night shift, I believe, mm. in that movie. I've never actually seen it, but I have consistently seen it rated in his top five movies. Nice. So, and I well, think he even listed it maybe up there too. Who knows when we'll get to it because it, this just means it's added to our wheel. Okay. So you'll right. have to go and watch the spin to find out which movie we're going to talk about on episode 25 of the show. Big episode. But we do have some good ones. We do, we do have, have some good, good ones on the, on the wheel right now. Pig uh, bringing out the dead. I mean, there's yeah. some, there's some heavy hitters there. Um, adaptation is on there. Yeah. City I mean, we've Angels, got some great ones. Uh, Lord of war. Yes, so we've got some big, big movies on the wheel right now. So who knows when we'll actually get to them because, you know, random chance. But I'm glad they're on there because I, I'm going to need a palate cleanser after this movie. That's right. That's right. Well, all right. So last but not least, if you're watching, you can see an example of our new gear. We've got Nick Cage gear for the Coming of Cage podcast. Uh, mine is inspired by Raising Arizona. Ryan's is inspired by Vampire's Kiss. That's right. Um, and you can uh, go to comingofcage.com to find the links to our merch store. We you also can, have Con Air and Face Off. We do Con Air and Face Off. That's right. You can get shirts and stickers and notebooks and pins and mugs and lots of cool stuff with our cool official league uh, logoed Nick Cage faces or Cage faces that we had commissioned for the show and all that jazz. So head on over to Coming of Cage dot com to find links for that links to the show you can watch us on youtube now and see our our faces our bearded faces um if that is of interest to you and that's going to be it for us please uh catch the next wheel of cage to find out what nicholas cage movie we're going to talk about and for those of you who did buy some of our merch 
during its first week out there. Thank you so much. We really appreciate your support. Ryan, For anything sure. else? No, I mean, keep buying because we need the money. <laughs> That's right. We do. We absolutely do. Because sometimes we have to rent these movies because they're not on streaming services. I only had four days left to watch The Croods. I could have had to rent that. So <laughs> that would have. I mean, you paid for worse movies than that, but that's true. But most of those are on freebie, freebie and Tubi. So, uh, but all right, well, that's it. That's it. Thanks for listening. We're the Coming of Cage podcast. I'm Derek. That's Ryan. See you next time. See ya.